Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Scott Luton and Greg White with you right here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? I am doing very well. This is going to be fun. I, this is just going to be fun. We've been waiting forever, it seems like, to do this. I, and I'm not spilling the beans. I'm, I don't want to get in trouble. So I'm going to let you tell everybody. <laughs> well, so as Greg is speaking to, on today's show, we're excited to be joined by an award-winning professional truck driver. And she's going to share some of her insights, her, her point of view, her expertise. And I bet she's going to be sharing a few things, Greg, that's in the blind spot for all of us, right? Yeah, and a few things that might not come as such incredible revelations as we learned just before we went on air. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so a lot of those, tuned. I knew that was the case. <laughs> Guilty moment. as charged. Yeah. Um, and what Greg is alluding to is we may have just asked our guest, uh, who is a trucking expert and driving expert, what state has the worst drivers. So maybe we'll touch on that as we get into the interview a little bit deeper. But, hey, stay tuned as we welcome in April Coolidge, a professional truck driver with Walmart. Um, hey, really quick, Greg, we're going to yes, make Scott. a few announcements, and then we're going to say hello to a few folks. You ready? Let's do that. All right. Uh, so first off, we want to invite you to join us August 18th. We are going to uh, put our finger on the pulse of an organization that is cranking out and creating raving fans. So join us as we host Imran Patel with Quip for this webinar, free webinar on August 18th. The link to join is in the comments. Greg, this next event, big one coming up in September with the one and only Lars Cesari. Yeah. We're gearing up for this. We're the exclusive virtual provider of the, uh, the digital version of the event. How excited are you for this September event? I'm totally stoked. I've never actually been invited to attend this before because I was always on the vendor side and, and Laura is so protective to make sure that this is practitioners who can share ideas with one another and get, get so much benefit out of it. And, you know, so being a media partner is kind of the way we, I weaseled my way in. So <laughs> I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, you get nothing but truth from Laura and you get nothing but great education from her. So. Well said. So join Greg and I. We're going to be hosting all two and a half days on the digital side. We've got Kevin L. Jackson, Kelly Barner, and Corinne Bursa who will be joining us for the live coverage. And the only thing missing is you. So make sure you, you sign up at SupplyChainInsightsGlobalSummit.com. Okay. And then finally, we are gearing up our latest event in December where, much like this conversation today, we're going to be celebrating globally all the contributions and achievements and the, and the breakthrough successes of the supply chain and procurement community with our 2021 Supply Chain and Procurement Awards. Registration's open, nominations open, sponsorships open. Y'all check that out at supplychainprocurementawards.com. Okay, Greg, a lot of stuff cooking, but as you suggested, I am really excited. We're really excited. Our team is excited to be featuring our guests here today, April Coolidge, a professional truck driver with Walmart. We're going to bring her on momentarily, but first we've got to say hello to a few folks. We right? do need to say hello to some folks. Yes. 
So let's start with Clay and Amanda and Allie and Jada and the whole gang behind the scenes helping to make production happen here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks for all that you do. Do you think people wonder what all of those people are doing? Maybe we ought to share a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so some of them help us directly with the production. This is being viewed on five different social platforms, so they're monitoring and also interacting with the audience on all of those platforms. Um, They are the voice of the voice of supply chain, <laughs> right? I mean, so, it, you know, it's it's a really interactive experience no matter what platform you're on, and these are the people that you are connecting with. Well said. I couldn't have said it better myself, and big thanks to the whole team. Yeah. Uh, now, Kyle Garcia out there on the West Coast, Portland, I believe, I was because last time we said Seattle, but he's in the Portland area. Man, don't mess that up. Come Never. <laughs> Kyle, great to have you we here. We both have basketball teams, remember? <laughs> the legendary Gary Smith is back with us from New York City via LinkedIn. Great to see you. He is on these last few days. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Where the rubber says, meets the road. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Joseph tuned in via LinkedIn. Hey, tell us where you're tuned in from, Joseph. We'd love to, to find that out. Welcome. Shelly in Colorado via LinkedIn. Shelly, hope this finds you well. Great yeah. to have you here. Oh, James Malley with Pacurate yeah. with us via LinkedIn. I want to say James is in, if I think, I want to say he's like in the Boston area, Greg. Okay. I bet you, I bet you a Diet Coke. Uh, we'll see. James, refresh our memory. No diet. <laughs> <laughs> but as Kyle reminds us, hey, Portland's a great city, but hey, Seattle is a great city as well. Indeed. And then T-Squared who holds down the fort for us there on YouTube. Great to see you back. He says, good Friday Eve, folks. It's lunchtime. Looking to get fed, supply chain, management, nourishment. Great to have you back, T-squared. Okay, so welcome, everybody. I know we couldn't get a a few folks. Looking forward to having you all as part of the ride of today's conversation. And we want to hear from you. Oh, I like that. Part of the ride. (laughs) We tried. We try from time to time, Greg. Um, all right. So with no further ado, Greg, are we ready to bring on our guest? I think we've ado- done enough ado. So yes, let's do that. <laughs> well, hang on a sec. I owe you a Diet Coke or a regular Coke. He's in Brooklyn. Man, Brooklyn, Boston. You know, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, I don't. <laughs> hey, I may be sending some people up there that you need to keep an eye on, James. So we need to talk <laughs> in the next few weeks. Awesome. Well, hey, James, enjoyed your, you and your comments as part of Greg's last uh, tequila uh, sunrise, take your shot. Shot episode. I always want to say take your pitch, right? Yeah, I, take your I shot. Feel like I'm always telling, take your yes. shot. Well, I feel like I'm always communicating to the, to the Atlanta Braves batters. Take that outside pitch. Take that pitch. But yeah. it's take your shot. Well, but, okay. So they, they've been taking some pitches, obviously, because they did win two in a row after setting a major league record for win-loss, 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 win-loss. Yes. Right? That's right. Uh, like 19 days back-to-back. They win one day, lose the next. New major league record, and I'm surprised I have any hair left. So if any out. of you wonder whether yelling at the television does any good, Scott can confirm that it does. It sometimes takes 19 or 20 days, but your team is listening. <laughs> That's right. Eat your Wheaties and keep yelling at those TVs. Um, okay, so we're really, as if you can't tell, we're excited about today's special guest here. Uh, on the heels of an interview with CNBC and and, and several other outlets, we've got our uh, our guests here with us today on Supply Chain Now. Yeah. April Coolidge, a professional truck driver with Walmart, as we mentioned, and 
one of the exceptional supply chain professionals that's helped us continue to move forward throughout this, this tough pandemic time. So let's bring on April Coolidge. Hey, hey, good afternoon, April Coolidge. How are you, how are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Good well, having you. you. Yeah, if you can't tell, we're a little bit excited. We had a wonderful time with you and the team pre-show and just tickled to be able to share your story uh, with our uh, global community here and, and ready to dive right in. So on that note, April, before we get to the hard-hitting expertise and some of those experiences, let's get to know you a little bit better. So for starters, you got to tell us, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Billings, Montana. So I'm a Montana girl. I grew up riding horses, skiing, you know, all the outdoor stuff. So it was it was a great childhood, a great life in Montana. Oh, Greg, she paints such a, a wonderful picture there. Um, let's talk about one, you know, whenever we ask this question, I love to know um, from a food and a culinary standpoint, yeah. what's, you know, growing up in Billings, what's what was one of your go-tos, whether it's a restaurant or, or just a dish or what was a big part of that upbringing? Well, when we would go out on a special occasions, we would go to a restaurant. It's called the Cattle Company, and it was just a great upscale steakhouse. And and I guess being from Montana, that is probably my favorite food. Is you know meat and potatoes is what we have in Montana. So you know, a, a good, extremely rare steak is right in my wheelhouse. Extremely rare. I like that. Extremely rare. <laughs> and when I go to a restaurant, when I I say extremely rare, I mean put it on the grill. Flip it, and then put it on my plate. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Well, hey, let's say hello. Uh, Jenny Froome is with us from Johannesburg, South Africa, leader of Sapix. Great to see you, Jenny. You you, you picked a, another great show to be yeah. on. April is going to be a wonderful interview. Ahmed is tuned in. High champions via LinkedIn. Great to, great to hear from you, Ahmed. Tell us where you're tuned in from, as well as uh, Ejimbi. Ejimbi, perhaps. Yeah, I apologize. Right. Jimby. That's as good as that we can wrong. do in the States anyway. <laughs> well, hey, let us know how we get that right and how we nail that. And welcome via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're from. Okay. Uh, and by the way, April, I'm not sure who this is, but they've been to the cattle company and they echo your endorsement. Oh, it is good. So I love that. Okay. So let's um, kind of switch gears. Uh, so your father. So mm-hmm. from what we, we piece about uh, doing our homework about your career, uh, prior to being a uh, truck driving professional, you were very successful in real estate. Um, but your father had a big impression and I think helped get you into trucking where you know, you've been moving things, making it happen for about 10 years now. Is that right? It is, Scott. Yes. My dad has been a role model for me my entire life. But in, you know, when I was in real estate in 2008, when the market crashed, you know, I just couldn't sell a house to save my life. There was nothing happening whatsoever. So I had to think about what I wanted to do with my future. So I approached my dad and I said, dad, I want to do what you're doing. And he said, what's that? I said, I want to go to truck driving school. I want to drive a big truck. And to be honest with you, Scott, he didn't take me seriously. He just <laughs> kind of laughed me off for a while because I just don't think that he envisioned his baby girl, you know, out here right. in this big trucking world but you know i was just persistent and you know i just kept bringing it up to him so you know after a while he really did see that that i was serious about it and he says well we're going to send you to truck driving school so that's what i did i went to truck driving school i love it okay before i turn over to greg here uh so your father is he still driving how long did, did he drive what what tell us a more about him he drove oh gosh uh i don't a know how time. many years that he drove a long time but he retired with 
4.2 million safe miles under his belt. Wow. So I had some big shoes to fill when I got into trucking. So, did, did he uh, have his own company or did he drive for someone else or? He drove it, uh, for people out there. They might remember a company called Consolidated Freightways. Oh yeah, of course. So he started off at Consolidated Freightways in Montana and then they closed the hub that he drove out of in Billings. So he had to, you know, pick some places where he could be transferred. So he picked Charlotte, North Carolina, so that, you know, he didn't have to drive and deal with, you know, the winter. Winter the weather. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> so being such a close family, uh, you know, I sold my house in Montana. I had their uh, one and only grandchild, which they weren't going to leave that behind. So <laughs> we just all came together and migrated to Charlotte. Wow. Back in 1995. Very cool. That is, uh, and and there's, I'm sure there's so many more stories there. Uh, We'll have to have you back to talk sports, Hollywood, and uh, some of those 4.2 million safely driven miles. It's got a great story. So, Greg, where are we going next? Yeah, so you've been driving since when? I went to truck driving school at the end of 2012. Okay. I, I chose a company right out of truck driving, so I, I researched all the driving co- companies out there, and and I chose to affiliate myself at that time with a company based out of Arkansas, is uh, USA Truck. Mm-hmm. Had a wonderful driving career with them. They were just such a wonderful company to drive for. But I knew upon graduating truck driving school that I always wanted to be a Walmart driver. That was just my goal in my driving career is that someday I wanted to wear that white shirt, drive that big Walmart truck and and be a Walmart driver. So I worked very, very hard to protect my driving career and, you know, my standings in uh, the the trucking community, which opened a lot of doors for me. So I I got it. I got to tell you, Greg, in April, and in April, I may have taken taken a page out of your book. The only uh, tractor trailer toy I had as a kid was a Walmart cab over, and it was a big, uh, it was a gorgeous, shiny white truck. And that thing, I don't know if I got quite got four point two million miles <laughs> driven, but it was close. I think the wheels were falling off that thing when we were done growing up. But it's really it's such a small world. You see a ton of Walmart vehicles on the roads. Uh, but anyway, Greg, you're giving away your age by talking about cab overs, Scott, <laughs> which sorry, virtually sorry. don't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. And they sure don't produce them anymore. But I remember those, the big flat front trucks as a kid. Um, well, so interesting. And, and that's pretty that's a pretty clear career direction. So you've landed at Walmart. I'm curious. Uh, you said uh, that was you said off screen 2018. Right. 2018, the end of October 2018 is when I joined the Walmart transportation team. So I don't know that ever I don't know that everyone or maybe even anyone knows what the day a day in the life of a driver or a week is like. Can you share that with us? At least your point of view of you know what driving is like over the course of a day or a week. Absolutely, Craig. My week, I drive. Uh, I get the luxury of being at Walmart to be home two days a week. So I'm out on the road five days a week and I'm home two days a week. So I go to work. I am what they call my schedule is a Saturday out, which my work week begins on Saturday and it ends. I get home uh, Wednesday evening. So on Saturday, I'll usually get up about four o'clock in the morning 
to get up and get ready because I have a 40-minute commute from my home to my distribution center, which is located in Pageland, South Carolina. So I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, take care of my kitty before I leave, and, you know, just do the, the last-minute things and, you know, get myself together and then uh, commute to work. So I usually – and when I get to work, we at Walmart, we – slip seat, which means at the end of my work week, I have to clean all of my personal belongings out of the truck. So on Saturday, I'll get there and, you know, I'll, I'll set up my truck because that's my home for the week. Mm -hmm. So I'll make my bed and put my coffee maker, you know, all the things that I need for myself during the week, which coffee is very important because, you know, getting up, you know, sometimes very early in the day, yeah. I got to have coffee. But so, and, and then, you know, once I get my truck set up, then you know, I usually drive the, the southeastern portion of the United States. So wherever Walmart sends me or, you know, however my route uh, leads me, you know, I could be in Tennessee, Florida, Alabama. So uh, I drive 11 hours a day and I have 14 hours a day that I can complete my 11 hour driving time. So I drive 11 hours a day and I work 70 hours a week. Wow. So think that you know I don't know if people really understand the time and uh, you know the amount of hours that we work but I do work a 70 hour work week and I drive 11 hours a day so it's it's a it's a pretty grueling schedule but I absolutely love what I do and I'm just very passionate about driving and and uh, you know just uh, supporting the, the community as the best as I can. So are you delivering to the stores or are you transferring between distribution centers or some of each of that? I'm curious. I predominantly deliver to the stores. Okay. I work out of a, a grocery distribution center. Okay. So I um, deliver a lot of their groceries, uh, you know, their frozen, fresh, you know, meat, produce, things like that. So, uh, you know, we deliver to the stores Okay. and I also deliver to Sam's clubs and, then we will bring back, we will go to different suppliers and we will pick up product that we utilize. You know, we'll, we will pick up uh, loads and, and product and bring it back to the distribution centers so that we can disperse it out to the stores. So that's a pretty common practice among people, um, among chains or distributors with their own, with their own fleet is to backhaul from the vendors back to the distribution center, right? And that is exactly what we call it, backhaul. So I'll deliver to my stores, and then I'll get a backhaul to bring that back into uh, maybe a, a consolidation point where, you know, they, they divide it up and send it out to different distribution centers and, uh, you know, bring in loads directly to the, the um, Walmart distribution centers themselves. Mm -hmm. So just out of curiosity, you might leave, say, Nashville with, a certain set of product on the truck, go to this consolidation center, wind up with a whole different set of product on the truck and then go back to, um, to Carolina, right? Right. Or wherever they, wherever they need that product located. So, yeah. And sometimes I'll, I'll have multiple stops where I'll just pick up partial loads of, of different, uh, supplies that we need and, and, you know, take it to, um, Sam's club or, you know, a Walmart distribution center. Very cool. Hey, really quick, Greg, if I yeah. can interject for a second. Yeah, I bet uh, we've got some questions. <laughs> Jenny, I agree. We we agree with you. Such an, a critically important person in supply chain. Supply chains would not move. They wouldn't happen without awesome people like April 
and so many other folks across the world that do what she does. Um, see, uh, back to our question we posed to Ajimba. She is from Nigeria. W- welcome. Kavan is back with us. Good morning, good afternoon, possibly good night, everyone. And then, James, you're touching on uh, an issue or a, a topic we're going to touch on later yeah. in the conversation. So uh, thanks for asking, and we're going to get to that here momentarily. And Cheryl says, backhaul must be cost-effective. I think it's what she meant to say there. So, you know, I think I think the leading supply chains are able to really optimize uh, the back and forth, including the backhauls, of course, and really maximize every mile they're getting out of um, – uh, these these passages. So uh, I'm glad that came up. And April, you're you're probably giving some folks a new uh, parts, new new com- new components of their vocabulary based on what you do day in and day out. We love that here. All right, yeah. so Greg. So and it's funny because having been in retail and distribution for a, a long time, I'm familiar with this backhaul, deadheading, bobtailing, all, those last <laughs> two being the things you want to avoid at all costs. Even April, even when I'm driving down the road on a family trip or whatever, whenever I see a semi down the road with no trailer behind it, I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, that is just wasted money. So just to connect the dots there, because there, there might be some folks that may not know that term, but yep. that is bobtailing. Is that correct, April? Bobtailing is when it's just the tractor with no trailer. Yeah. That's, That's what they call bobtail. Yeah. And then deadheading is the truck and trailer, but the trailer is empty. There's no freight in that trailer. So that's what they call deadhead. Yeah. Deadhead. <laughs> that's what companies are trying to avoid big time, right? That is so costly because you still spend the fuel and the driver labor and all of that and all of the regulatory compliance and whatnot, but with absolutely no revenue or no value of goods in the trailer. So yep. it hurts. You know, it hurts. Really quick. I met someone not too long ago, the CEO of a, of a company, that y'all know the uh, the trailers they use to ship new cars on, right? Yeah. And there's a, there's a term for that. But um, after they drop off the cars, this company was like a marketplace for figuring out how what else they could pick up non-vehicles on those same trailers. Very mm. fascinating to eliminate those empty miles. So um, love it. And by the way, I agree with Jenny. Jenny says, I love that you always find people who are so passionate about what they do. And April's got that in droves. Clay says, deadhead is what I call my hippie uncle, Clay. (laughs) (laughs) It's about the same value, Clay. doesn't matter. (laughs) All right. So Greg, where are we here? April, there has to be a ton of other stuff. I think you've exposed and we've just talked about a few things that the average consumer or American or individual doesn't know about trucking. So what else can you share with our audience that isn't interesting learning around what you do every day or about truck driving or transportation in general? Well, what I want to impress upon uh, the community and people out there is for them to realize that, you know, the importance of our industry, of the trucking industry, because without our industry, the trucking industry and truck drivers out there, life as they know it would not exist because they have to realize that everything that they touch in their daily day-to-day routine has been on a truck. Mm -hmm. From the time they get up to the time they go to bed, everything that they put their hands on has been delivered by a truck. So, you know, they just need to, to realize the importance of this industry and the sacrifice that the drivers make so that they can have all the things that make their life comfortable. Yeah. 
I, I think that's a really good point. I think also, and I'll confess this, they should not get irritated when climbing a hill and a truck swings out into the left-hand lane to pass a slower truck, which I confess I may have thrown a profanity <laughs> or two out there because I'm thinking I could have blown right by both of you. <laughs> but I understand. So I, I have a buddy who drove trucks in Korea and he said, you are the biggest thing on the road. If you wait for an opening, you will never get it. So you have mm -hmm. to kind of create it, right? So. Great. That's exactly it. Sometimes you just have to take it. And, you know, some, my loads can weigh, you know, in excess of 45,000, you know, I can pull about, you know, 46,000 pounds of freight, which makes my truck and trailer 80,000 pounds. Right. Wow. So get this vehicle, you know, up just even not, not even the steepest incline, you know, it just takes some effort for that tra tractor. And so if people will just be patient, slow down a little bit, you know, I'll get out of their way. It's not that I'm purposely trying to, you know, slow them down. It's that, you know, I have time constraints that, you know, they're imposed upon me to deliver this freight. And so I'm just doing the best that I can to provide product for people, you know, so when they go to these stores, you know, they have what they need. And inertia is an important thing. You take your foot off the throttle on something that weighs 80,000 pounds going uphill, you lose momentum really, really quick, right? Dramatically. Yeah. Dramatically. Okay. <laughs> I'll be much more zen about it in the future. Thank you, April. <laughs> so, um, well, and, you know, we're talking to the right person about learning about driving because you have been named a Walmart and a PepsiCo everyday hero, right? So tell us a little bit about that process. As you said, you protected your driving, uh, your driving career very carefully. And, and what does that recognition mean to the industry? And, and honestly, what does it mean to you? Well, from the very beginning, when I affiliated myself with the USA Truck, you know, like I have said previously, that my goal was always to be a Walmart driver. So I held myself to the highest caliber, you know, the, I gave myself a ceiling standard for myself. And so in doing so, it opened the door when I drove for USA Truck. I was the inaugural member of the Arkansas road team out in Arkansas. Hmm. So uh, what we did there is, you know, we, we promote the trucking industry and uh, something that we really focused on was to teach people out there how to safely navigate the highways when they're on the road with a, with a, a, a semi truck and trailer, especially these young kids just getting out of driving school, you know, going to driving school and in high school, you know, the new drivers, you know, just getting out there on the road, you know, just things to think about and the do's and the don'ts when they're out there so that they can be safe and get home safely. Yeah. And I can be safe and get home to my family. But, you know, with that being said, you know, it did open a lot of doors for me. And uh, three years ago, I was nominated for the America's Road Team with the American Trucking Association. So that was a very grueling process to make that team. But out of 3,600 candidates that was initially uh, proposed to make this team, they chose a panel of 18 so out of that 3,600, wow. I whittled my way down to be on the America's Road team, which is just was another goal that, that I set for myself. And then at that same time, the, the opportunity to drive for Walmart presented itself. So 
that was just a blessing for me because my dad suffered. I, I lost my mom about four years ago to stomach cancer. So, you know, she was my best friend and I talked to her every day. So it was really tough to lose my mom. And then shortly after we lost my mom, my dad was diagnosed with dementia. So being that I was able to be home two days a week, you know, that allowed me to look after him because because it was just me looking after the house, looking after my dad. So uh, the opportunity to drive for Walmart was such a blessing because, you know, it was a lot for me to be gone five days a week and then come home and cook and clean and take care of him and get him all set up so I could go back out on the road. So over the years, he, he wasn't, he was a lot better back then, but as time went by, he really declined very quickly. And, you know, this last couple months, I had even decided that I was going to take a leave of absence to stay home and care for him because his uh, dementia declined to the point where he, he couldn't take care of himself at all. And and uh, I'm sad to say that I did lose my dad. He did pass away on June 13th. So um, I'd like to think that he's up in heaven with my mom now looking down and uh, saying, at a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee um, it. Yes. I no, guarantee no doubt. that he is. What a huge uh, legacy he's left behind and, and you're doing big things and, and beyond helping your family, you're, uh, you're leading the awareness, um, that needs to take place, uh, that represents your profession and, and by extension, global supply chain. And we all know the awareness gaps were closing during the pandemics. One, one of the silver linings here in the last 18 months, but, uh, sorry, very sorry for your father's loss. Um, but I think it, you know, one of the things you mentioned, cause you mentioned sacrifice April, it's not just our drivers, that are sacrificing. It's those families, right? And when those five days that you're out doing what you got to do, um, it's, it's a tremendous sacrifice, yeah. which is all the more reason we've got to be more empathetic. And and just, I think for so many consumers, they have to just better, we have to better understand uh, with what you do day in and day out. So I want to share a couple of quick comments here from a lot of reaction to what you shared. Uh, Charles is back with us. Hello, Charles. He says, thank you for keeping the road safe for us. We all would echo that. Uh, Jenny's talking about goosebumps and yes, Nikki Scott yes. uh, does. would love for her to be hearing this. She's a wonderful representative of, um, of, of global supply chain. She, uh, uh, Nikki Scott of the dude, really moment. She had a dude really moment with us, April. It was wonderful. Uh, she has her own it. trucking company in yes. Africa. So that's right. Uh, I think this is Korai Kose. I think he's back with us. Uh, going back to uphill, downhill, no more road rage for Greg. <laughs> it wasn't really rage. It was more like <laughs> subdued anger, but, yes. but nonetheless right. inappropriate. So yeah. <laughs> William Shakespeare of supply chain is with us. Gregory, great to have you back on LinkedIn from the uh, Caribbean says, hello, supply chain team. Everyone else on this great platform echoing April's perspective. Hello, Rhonda. Great to have you back. You're going to be in for a treat here with April. And then, uh, let's see here. Gary says that he echoes something we talk about a lot here, right? Especially with the, as uh, we lose your father in June and all of those, everything that goes into hitting a mark like 4.2 million miles, that's not a transactional thing. That's a ton of problem solving and accident avoidance and, and being a smart business person, you name it. He says, just think of all the institutional knowledge we're losing as over the road truckers, baby boomers, and otherwise leave the workforce. Yeah. And Jenny says he would be incredibly proud. We all echo that. I mean, gosh, can you only imagine 
looking back to, as he as he introduced you and helped you get into the industry, all the things you've done you know since entering in 2012. So I love this. Um, we, I, I could take these comments for the next three hours and just hear everyone's reaction. But April, moving right along, I want to move to a um, little little different segment here, right? As we all know, and we'll try to get some more comments here momentarily. But April, as we all know. Um, organizations far and wide here in the States and everywhere else, they're struggling to not just attract um, drivers, but keep them, retain them, you know, create a fulfilling um, position and career for them. Uh, so if you had the opportunity and you, you have it right here, you know, given this platform, if you were speaking to those organizations that were struggling, what are some best practices or some general observations you'd offer in terms of advice? Well, Scott, we are experiencing a huge driver shortage in our industry. And it's been that way for as long as I've been involved in the trucking industry. So what I would encourage and, and what is also going to be happening is because a lot of our drivers in the workforce now, you know, they're getting to be at retirement level. So there's going to be a lot of our drivers that are going to be retiring out of our industry. So something that we've really been thinking about and wondering what to do is how we can get some of our young people, you know, our younger people to think about the truck driving industry or the trucking industry in general. Mm -hmm. And what I would encourage trucking companies to do to help retain their workforce is, you know, treat their driver, you know, like a person, not just a truck number or, you know, a driver number, you know, make that you know, driver feel like they're valued, that they're, you know, appreciated. And I think, you know, in all of my years, the number one reason that I see drivers leave a company is that they can never get them home on time. So their home time is just very important because we sacrifice a lot to be out here on the road. You know, we're, we're away from our families, our friends, you know, our life is subjected to being in that truck out on the highway for, you know, however long of a time that people choose to stay out. When I was at USA Truck, I stayed out probably two and a half, three months at a time. So I only came home two or three times a year. Wow. But those times, you know, just getting a driver home and respecting their home time, I think would be just, just basic square one to, you know, let that driver, you know, have their home time and to know that they can, you know, count on, you know, setting up time with family and friends and doing things. So I think, you know, respecting a driver's request for home time would be, I think, just probably number one in importance for to a driver. I love wow. that. That sounds so basic. It's a little surprising that that's the number one thing that comes to your mind. I would think that that would be, would be part of it. Um, yes. Yeah. I talk to a lot of drivers and, you know, I'll ask, well, why did you leave your company? And they said, well, because they could never get me home on time. I put in my home time request, you know, well in advance, and they just never could meet their commitment to get me home. So, you know, that's the number one thing that I hear from drivers, you know, when they leave a company is, you know, that their, their home time, that they yeah. couldn't get them home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So lots of comments here like Jose's. Uh, now I know why April is award-winning truck driver. Thank you doing, for doing what you do. Thank you for your professionalism. Uh, from Steve Harrell via LinkedIn. Great to see that. Uh, Rhonda echoes all of that. Thank you for bringing your story here today. Respect your priorities and voice for truckers' health and wellness is so important. Uh, so follow-up question, April, for you. We, we, we talk a lot about the kind of the, 
the TX, a trucker experience in this era of all these different <laughs> I like experiences. That. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's all kinds of what I, what I like some of the awareness that social media has created to help fill in the gaps of the awareness. And um, we, we've seen a variety of different stories and whatnot. Is it you know when you when you arrive at a facility here in recent years, has it gotten better in terms of of, of uh, how they're treating truckers? Is it about the same? Has it gotten worse? What, what's your observations there? I think that it's getting better. Uh, you know, we're they're they're respecting us, and and they know that they that we play an important part in you know moving their goods and their products you know from their facility to uh, you know the the retailers and things that that are needing those. But a challenge that we had you know over the past couple of years you know with the COVID you know it was just really tough at these different facilities. And and I'm not talking about Walmart. I'm just talking about shippers and receivers because you know. You couldn't go into their warehouses. Mm-hmm. You couldn't use their restrooms. So, you know, it was very strict as far as being able to access these different places. And, you know, over and above that, you know, just being able to get a meal out on the road was just very tough. So, you know, we just all had to work together to to, to overcome this pandemic. And, you know, I, and we're coming out of it, even though that I do see that we're having spikes in different areas. But, you know... Uh, shippers and receivers are starting to, you know, lessen their restrictions and, you know, be more open to us using their facilities and, and working with them. I appreciate you sharing uh, that. I'm going to go back. Uh, so when we started talking backhaul earlier, hmm. um, that generated a ton of discussion. And by the way, Cheryl must be in the transportation industry because she's she is uh, – sharing some great POV out there. She says, congrats, trucks are the most flexible mode of transportation, accounts for approximately 80% of transportation expenditures by U.S. firms, preferred mode for organizations operating under the just-in-time systems. Cheryl, thank you for sharing. Man, it's wonderful. I want to go back, though, Greg. Allie on our team had a great question about these backhauls. Uh, So kind of moving, sometimes we go back in time, April, so stick with us here. She says, how often are your backhauls dedicated or how often do you reach out to brokerages or, or other uh, resources to arrange your backhauls? Any commentary there? I personally am not involved in that part because we have management, we have divisions within our company and not only Walmart, but all companies have that where they you know, set up appointments and they work with these uh, manufacturers to you know move their product. So- yeah. Um, you know, I'm not involved in the scheduling of that, but you know, I do, I do pick up. You make a lot it happen. I make it happen. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and that's, right. that's a really good question because some, that's really a more strategic decision to whether you just backhaul your own vendors or you just backhaul what's whatever's available out there. Um, in in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, is MBM uh, Distributors. Uh, April, a company that we worked with a long time, literally a trucking company, well, a a food distributor and trucking company that started in the backyard of the founder's house. Wow. Um, And then, and it still is in the backyard of the founder's house, except it's like a (laughs) three-story office building (laughs) and warehouse. Making Um, the HOA a hell of a backyard, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that, you know, that's, they chose to only backhaul their vendors, but with other companies, um, with their own fleets, they, you know, they might go to the brokerage market or they might, 
you know, they might have a, a internal brokerage that handles that for themselves. So it can, there are a lot of ways that it can go. Uh, and it really just depends on how, how far afield your trucks get and how important it is for you to optimize every single mile to the maximum using all 53 feet. Right. Excellent point. I appreciate that background. And Allie, great question. I love that. Uh, a lot of great questions and comments here. Um, all right. So uh, before we switch gears and, and kind of figure, you know, who, find out who else um, that you want to maybe thank for getting you in this position here, obviously your father and your family played a big role, but April, is there anything else that um, you think it'd be really helpful for folks to just know about the trucking profession, the industry or, or your experiences? Well, like I said earlier, I just, you know, would like to impress and just let people realize that without our industry, you know, they just won't, wouldn't have the goods, you know, food, clothing, you know, anything that they have in their day-to-day -day life, you know, is dependent upon our industry. So I just would like to impress upon, you know, the importance of the trucking industry as a whole, right. you know, and the drivers, you know, to get this product, you know, to the shelves for the people, because just like, you know, another person commented, you know, trucks are the most flexible mode of transportation because you can't fly an airplane into a, into a distribution center. You know, we don't have rail track railroads, you know, that go to this. So, you know, that freight that comes into these different modes, you know, ships, planes, trains is transported by a truck. Yep. So just to know the importance of, of what we do and, and the sacrifices that we make, you know, so that people can, you know, enjoy their lives and have the things that they need. Mm. Well said that that's the, um, that's the biggest uh, point made, I think in today's conversation, you know, so uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and uh, sharing that message. I got to ask you, this is going to be a stupid question, but it just don't. Right. It, it's about uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a kid, I loved, you know, getting truck drivers to, to lay on their air horn as we're driving, as my, my parents were driving down the road and I was in the back. I'm not sure if I've taught that to my kids. I'm, I'm probably a bad dad because I hadn't. Does that still happen? You still see kids that, that ask you for some of the air horn? I do. And to be honest with you, that just lights up my day. That just thrills me when when I have a young kid that in the back and, and does the little air pump because, you know, I'll give them a little fancy, you know, pull of, of my horn. But that's just, you know, I, I really love to see that. And, and you know, not only, not only do I love to see that when little kids do that, but, you know, a lot of times when I'm on the highway, I'll have uh, people that will lean over in their truck and they'll give me the thumbs up, you know, because I'm out here on the road and, and I don't know if, if that's just because I'm a trucker out here or I'm a woman driving that truck out here on the road. I think it might be a little combination. Probably of both. I mean, it's, you're a rare sight on the roadway. I, right. And um, I think people really appreciate that, that, you know, they appreciate what you're doing, that you're kind of breaking barriers to do it. I have to, I have to amend Scott's question. How does it make you feel when an adult does it? Because sometimes I do that. So <laughs> is it not as fun as when a kid does it? Because I, I still, <laughs> I still do it. I love it. You know, another thing I learned as a kid was, you know, the light flashing thing when, when you're passing or when they're passing, right? Um, just so our audience knows when you pass a semi, you should always flash your lights before you go out around them. And you should always flash your tail lights, which takes one hand off the wheel, admittedly, but flash your tail lights 
so and they'll let you know that you are clear of them in the front so it's safe for you to get it back over into their lane so do you still see uh everyday drivers not i know your fellow drivers do that pretty religiously but do you still see just regular uh, automobiles do that on occasion i will and just yesterday i did have uh it was a uh, an suv you know and he you know gave me the flash the lights just let me know it was safe to come back over yep. and he passed me and i let him and he flashed his brake lights to thank me for for letting him back over so i do on occasion see uh, passenger cars do that, and I just know that it's somebody who drives a truck or has a family member in the trucking industry. Otherwise, you know, people really don't know what that means. But um, you know, that is how because you know our trucks are very long, mm-hmm. so you have to have you know that peripheral vision to know that back there behind that fifty-three foot trailer, you have enough room, you know, to to navigate back over in, into the lane after you pass a vehicle. So that's what we as drivers, you know, will do for each other is we'll flash our lights to let them know that, you know, they're, they're clear and it's safe for them to come back over in, into the, into the uh, right lane, into the driving lane. Yeah. So, and I think that sign that's on so many trailers, if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. I, I hope people are reading that and recognizing that. And even so, I think even when you're beside a truck that you've only got that one little convex mirror that helps you see a vehicle that's pro- that's about seven feet below the level you're driving at, right? right. And and somewhere behind you, so yeah. it, it's hard to gauge. I mean, I've I've sat in cabs and and tried to gauge it sitting still, and it's really hard to gauge exactly where that vehicle is. Yep. It is, and you know that's one that's probably the thing that excites me the most about being affiliated. You know, first with the Arkansas Road Team and now with the America's Road Team because we have a program it's called share the road and so what we do is we go to these high schools and we take our truck and trailer and we take cars and we'll put them in our blind spots and we talk about these different things about being safe and you know that's ex- what you just said greg about if you can't see the driver's face in that mirror then we can't see you mm. you know a lot of people think that because we're so big and we sit up so high and we have you know our big windows that that gives us an opportunity to see so much going around, you know, happening around us. But that is, that couldn't be farther from the truth because the thing that I enjoy the most when I go do these share the road things is we'll put cars in our blind spots and there'll be a car right out my driver's side window that, you know, I could look down and be right there. But to have these teachers and, and young people get up in the cab of this truck because the only mirror that is required by the DOT is the long rectangular mirror that we have. Right. That's the only mirror that is required by the Department of Transportation to have on these trucks. Right. So we'll cover up all of our other mirrors and we'll ask these people when they get up on our truck, can you see that car that's just sitting right there next to us? And they're just amazed that they can't see that. Yeah. And so, you know, that is the thing that I really enjoy the most about being involved you know, with the America's Road team is that the opportunity that I have to go out and teach the community about different things that they need to know about a tractor trailer and what they can do to be safe out on the highway to navigate around us because there's a lot of trucks out there on the highway. So if they know what it takes for us to be safe out on the highway, that's Mm -hmm. just going to make them safer and our highway safer. 
Hey, uh, Gary is kindred spirits here. We, he says, we used to get truckers to honk their horns when I was growing up in the 60s. I did it once when driving with my dad, and it scared the crap out of him. <laughs> so, your driver's got to know you're riding with it, what you're doing. So thanks for sharing, Gary. Hey, um, uh, if you could touch on one final thing, and then we'll, we'll, we'll start to wrap here. You know, I know that here in the Atlanta area, the powers that be have been for the last couple of years uh, conducting a study to help alleviate some of the parking issues that, that truck drivers have when, when navigating through uh, the metro Atlanta area, uh, just how hard it's been, it is to find a nice, safe, well-lit place. Um, and, and, and between the state and the local authorities, they're trying to figure out how they can help provide solutions, especially given all the traffic that comes through here, which you may or may not have alluded to uh, at pre-show. But April, more seriously, speak to, you know, parking in general. I mean, how, how challenging is that? Uh, when you're trying to get a little bit of rest, you know, get a bite to eat, you know, speak to that a bit if you would. That is very challenging for us drivers out here on the road. And that's been something that, you know, I've thought about from the very beginning of getting involved in, in the trucking industry because, you know, that's our home when we're out here on the road. So we need to find a safe place to park and to be able to go in and get a meal and to take a shower. So we are at a, a big disadvantage because you know, we're at a shortage now with trucks. So just think what it would be like if we did hit the capacity that we need in the industry, what kind of impact that would make on the parking situation. And I think, you know, there's only so much land out there to acquire, to put these, you know, truck stops in in different uh, places available to us. But um, you know, that is a huge challenge. And that's why you'll see a lot of drivers, you know, when they shut down and I see it a lot, you know, through the Atlanta area, cause it's really tough. There's, there's not a lot of places to park in the Atlanta area and, you know, the truck stops, you know, it might be questionable as far as how safe are those areas, you know, for us, you know, because, you know, they don't have a lot of security, you know, a lot of times that patrols the parking lot. So, Um, you know, that's why you'll see a lot of drivers, you know, they'll be parking on the shoulders of the road and the on and off ramps because Mm -hmm. so limited on, you know, availability of us to find a place to park. And, you know, drivers are finding that they're, they have to shut down earlier in the day to even be able to find a parking space. Because if you drive, you know, say, you know, past five o'clock, you know, in the afternoon, your chances of finding a parking spot at a truck stop are few or even non-existent at wow. that time. Yeah. I think a couple of years ago, according to research here, putting in, I think that the truck drivers they were surveying, were talking hundreds, if not thousands, 90 minutes a day on average is, is the time that it took them to find uh, suitable parking. Um, so, so folks, if you're, whether you're overseas or whether you're here in the States, uh, and maybe your uh, local authority isn't as savvy um, as the folks in Atlanta trying to, uh, proactively or, or reactively, what most importantly to trying to address these challenges. Hey, uh, another awareness opportunity here. We gotta we gotta take care of our truck driving professionals in April. Huge thanks for you, what you know what you've shared here today. So, with all that said, uh, you know beyond your father who played a pivotal. Go ahead, Greg. I have one more question. I have to ask. Okay. <laughs> I have to ask this. You drive all over the southeast, right? You've already addressed some of the parking issues. We've talked a little bit about your fellow drivers who you share the roadway with. Who would you identify as the worst community or state or whatever drivers that you face on a day-to-day basis? 
Well, Greg, I hate to uh, pinpoint, you know, a city or, or an area, but if I had to give you an honest answer, I would have to say of all the places that I traveled, and I've traveled all over the United States. Right. I know with part, I only travel in the southeastern part of the country now, but I've traveled the whole United States, and by far, <laughs> hands down, no competition. <laughs> The worst drivers that I have ever experienced is in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel so I feel so vindicated for you to say that. Well, you are and you know, people. <clears throat> they love us. They really love us. But Greg, I would say April is right. April is, is right. Unquestionably you right. I mean, if yeah, you're not going so, 80 miles an hour in Atlanta, you're going to get run over. And That's right. And it and if you don't get run over, there are alternative punishments because of where we are. So, I mean, it is, un I've, I've driven all over the country as well, not a semi, but I mean, places like Chicago and New York and Los Angeles, which are the ones even still I would have expected to come towards the top of your list. But unquestionably Atlanta is a, you know, is that's a indictment, damning indictment of, of our driving culture. Well, it is. I'm a bit of a studier of driving cultures too, April. I mean, you know, there are certain things that only happen in certain cities, like, you know, the excessive speeding that happens here in Atlanta, the refusal to signal to change lanes, which happens in Chicago a lot because people in Chicago will speed up to block you off if you're trying to change lanes and you signal. They'll do that with cars, not even semis. So, right. And, you know, I think another challenge that Atlanta has is because there's so many roadways that come into that city. Yes. And so it's just kind of like a hub or a central location, you know, to get on 85, 20, right. 75. And, and so, you know, there's so much traffic and so many bottlenecks to get around to that city. I've easily taken two hours or more just yeah. to get from 85 coming into Atlanta to 85 coming out of Atlanta. So it's just unbelievable the amount of people, the amount of traffic that's in Atlanta. But something that I see so much in that city, and I and I can't for the life of me understand how and why they do it, because not in a million years would I ever even think about, is they'll stay in the hammer lane and they'll cruise that fast lane and then their exit will come up. And so they make a- Four line, lanes of traffic all at once. Four <laughs> lanes of traffic just to get over there. And, and it's just, oh, I just cringe when I see that because what a dangerous situation that they're putting themselves yeah. in. Yeah. So we got to love on our truck drivers, respect them when they're out there on the roads, make sure you're, you're, you're pulling for the air horn, especially if you drive past or drive by uh, April. Um, and be aware, be aware of, of the sacrifices they're making, be aware of uh, some of the issues and challenges they face. Uh, but also, most importantly, perhaps, be aware that they are the backbone of global supply chain. So if, if the truckers, um, you know, truck fleets came to a halt, everything else would come to a halt. So, April, really appreciate and admire what you do. But, hey, um, really quick, as we start to wrap up, I want to ask you, you know, who else you would like to thank, and then we'll make sure folks know how to connect with you. Who else beyond the father, your father would you like to um, give a shout-out to and, and thanks, you know, for the help to get you where you are? Well, I really owe a lot of my uh, of who I am and how I've become, you know, to this point in my life to my parents because my parents always raised me not as a girl, but that 
if there's anything in life that I ever wanted to accomplish, whatever it is, I could just set my goals and I can accomplish that. So it, it was never, you know, stereotypical, you're a girl, you got to go in this direction. They raised me with uh, the beliefs that whatever that I want to accomplish in, in my life, I can accomplish that. So I owe a lot, uh, just about everything of who I am to my parents for bringing me up that way. But I had a lot of great mentors in my driving career, you know, drivers that that were with me on the Arkansas road team and that I met, you know, at my driving companies at USA, you know, people that I looked up to and admired. And so, you know, it's, it's those different individuals that made me realize what was possible for me in the driving industry, not only just getting into Walmart, but I'm a heavy competitor in truck driving championships. Oh. So, my goal someday is to be grand champion of the national truck driving championship. So having a lot of these drivers who have accomplished that just gives me a higher level to shoot for in, in something that, that, you know, I can strive to accomplish someday. Wow. I love that. Uh, those are called rodeos, aren't they? April? Rodeos. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, perfect this for somebody from Montana, <laughs> she's already got an advantage. That's true. <laughs> Well, April, it is such a pleasure to connect with you. Uh, we, our whole team, on behalf of our whole team, we admire what you do. We appreciate what you do. We, we wish I had, we, we had hours on end uh, to get to learn a lot more. Uh, there's so many other issues and challenges that are um, uh, shaping the, not only global supply chain, but certainly the trucking profession. But we'll have to have you back and we'll dive a little bit deeper. But big thanks. How can folks connect with you, April? They can connect with me. I'm on social media, I'm on Facebook. So they can just type in my name, April Coolidge. And I do have a Twitter account and I'm not that versed. I drive a truck. So I'm not, you know, I've stepped away from the tech after getting out of real estate. I really tech, stepped away from the technology. And so I don't know how, how they can go search for me on Twitter, but I have, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and I do get an email that if somebody sends me a message or a friend's request or something on Facebook, you know, it will certainly come to me because, you know, I work so much that uh, I don't always have time to, to look at those different things. Cause at the end of my day, when I'm done driving my 11, working my 14 hours, I go to bed. So, but if they do want to connect with me, I do. I am on Facebook, April Coolidge, and I am on Twitter, April Coolidge. Well, you are an absolute delight to interview and rub elbows with. There's a, there's a passion about what you do and yep. an enthusiasm uh, that is just contagious. So huge thanks. April Coolidge, an award-winning truck driver, recently named Walmart and PepsiCo Everyday Hero. Thanks so much, April. Thank you, April. Thank you. Man, <laughs> um, I echo, and I'm sure you do too, the whole team. Rhonda and Jenny both were speaking about just – um, you know, what April brings to the table. Tony, I think that's a wonderful question. We'll have to bring her back uh, to find out. He says via Facebook, how do you become a grand champion trucking driver? We'll have to have her well, back. To as if any it. of us need another YouTube distraction, there are channels that focus on that. And it is truly impressive what some of these drivers can do. Tight spaces. I mean, it is, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Agreed. I want to go back one final comment here because I, I want to. Uh, Rhonda had shared some things about her husband. We were talking about that the other day. She says, My husband's considering getting a CDL and driving locally with a logistics company. He likes working solo and is super 
safety conscious. We've been talking about the potential disruptions to our personal lives, but he's got about seven years before retirement, so it might be a fit for him, Rhonda says. He's looking at uh, distribution center forklift positions right now, and they asked him about his willingness to get his CDL. Mm. So uh, some conversion conversations going on. He's open to the idea. We'll see. Respect, she says, is important. Yep. So excellent point there, Rhonda. And we'll see if we can't maybe uh, – I bet April could share, shed a lot of light on maybe some of the decisions and um, uh, choices that y'all are considering. I think if you're thinking about getting into trucking right now, you probably have a lot of leverage in terms of saying, I want to do this and I don't want to do that. So, you know, if you need to be home like April two days a week or whatever, I bet there's an opportunity for you to do that. Agreed. And one more, I, I, I wish I had said this before April departed, but Rhonda says, go get them, April. No doubt you're going to hit your pro, your goals. Thank you for your service and keep America moving. Excellent point. Okay, that unfortunately, uh, Greg, is going to bring this conversation to a close. His. April was all that and then some of what we thought yeah. she might would be, huh? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think a couple things that – that stand out there is her recognition of the importance and her advocacy for the importance of what drivers do. And I think another, you know, that strikes home with me and I'm sure my wife is that the way that she was raised to believe that she can do anything. And I think it's important. It's important how for any young parents out there, it's important how you phrase that. It's not, you can do anything a man can do. It's you can do anything. You need not qualify and you need not make males or, uh, you know, whatever other categorization, a qualifier for that. You can do anything. And if you just treat it, you just treat someone uh, as this is what your potential could make you live up to. That's sufficient. You don't have to compare them to anyone else. And I think that's something we have actively done as parents. And it's built some pretty strong young ladies in our family. Yes, Clearly in hers as well. Uh, absolutely. And uh, that's a great learn. That's a great point. Uh, really important point that April brought to the table. Uh, so if you're listening, Brantley, Gracie, and Ben, whatever you want to do, that's it. So there you um, go. folks, thanks for all the, the great comments. And I know we couldn't get to all the comments and questions. What an outstanding conversation. April Coolidge is uh, a dynamo. Big thanks to Jada and Amanda and Allie and Clay back behind the scenes for helping us with the production. Big thanks to Matt and Anna also yeah. behind the scenes helping to facilitate the interview. Uh, but, folks, most importantly, you heard a bunch of good stuff from April here today. I appreciate Greg's key takeaways. Hey, do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. Be just like April Coolidge. And on that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.